The introduction of therapies directed against calcitonin gene-related peptide has revolutionized the treatment of migraine. As these therapies become increasingly available, many neurologists will be eager to learn about them, along with emerging data regarding their potential longer-term risks. To address this, the JNNP has featured a systematic review, calcitonin gene-related peptide in migraine, current therapeutics, future implications, and potential off-target effects. And joining me to discuss this paper is author Dr. Jason Ray, who's a neurologist at the Alfred and Austin Hospitals and at the Department of Neuroscience at Monash University, Melbourne. Jason, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So perhaps I could start by asking you to explain some of the key clinical and pathophysiological steps in migraine and how CGRP is linked to these. Mm. We still don't really completely understand the inciting trigger for activation, but it's the trigeminal vascular system that's understood to be the anatomical and physiological region from which nociceptive transmission originates. Afferent fibres in the trigeminal vascular system innervate the meninges and intracranial blood vessels and then from there project into the central nervous system. So activation of this system, if it turns out to have been peripheral or central, results in the antidromic release of a variety of vasoactive signalling molecules, including calcitonin gene-related peptide or CGRP, which really has garnered interest since the 1990s following Professor Goadsby's seminal work that showed that of all of the peptides of interest, that it was this one that was elevated in the midst of a migraine attack. So the release of CGRP and other vasoactive peptides induces vasodilation and a cascade of local inflammatory reactions, which in turn sensitizes and discharges the second-order neurons in the brainstem and third-order neurons in the thalamus until ultimately reaching the cortical areas that are involved in the perception of the pain of migraine. So the underpinning theory, therefore, is that by inhibiting CGRP or blocking the receptor, we attenuate a significant step in the genesis of a migraine attack and prevent migraines. So many of us now in clinical practice are becoming increasingly familiar with monoclonal antibodies directed uh, towards CGRP. Your paper also discusses a number of other small molecules, which perhaps some of us are, are less familiar with. Maybe you could tell us a little about these small molecules, um, where we're up to with regards to trials. Yeah, so the CGRP monoclonal antibodies are the large molecules, most of which target the CGRP ligand. The CGRP small molecules, or GPANs, block the CGR receptor and have variously been undergoing investigation either as an acute or a preventative treatment of migraine. In the acute treatment of migraine, Remedjapant and Ubrojapant have in trial shown that they achieve pain freedom in 20% of patients within two hours and for 40% approximately of patients, they'll report freedom from their most bothersome symptom in the same time frame. Remedjapant and Atogapant have also completed trials in the prevention of migraine with both medications shown to reduce the number of migraines a patient would suffer in a month by approximately four days. All of these drugs are now registered with the United States Food and Drug Administration. However, availability really varies in local jurisdictions worldwide. And there's still a number of trials that are ongoing in the area of the GPANTS, including uh, Zavegepant, which is an intranasal cousin of the oral options, and trials of Remedjapant, which are ongoing in both the adolescent populations as well as, interestingly, in trigeminal neuralgia and atogapant, where it's still being trialled as a preventative medication for people who failed between two and four preventative medications. 
So it sounds like we'll probably hear a lot more about these as as more trial data emerges. And I guess a lot of them have the advantage of of being oral um, rather than injectables. But many of us are now used to um, prescribing our patients the injectable monoclonal antibodies. But some of us may not be uh, entirely familiar with these. So maybe I could ask you to turn to this group of therapies and summarize the key trial findings um, and indeed whether there are any differences uh, from the trial findings that may impact the choice of anti-CGRP therapy we, we select for our patients. So the key trials for each of the four CGRP monoclonal antibodies reported a mean reduction between three and four monthly migraine days in episodic migraine and five to eight in chronic migraine, and they were all generally quite well tolerated. Unfortunately, there hasn't been any head-to-head trials to assess their comparative efficacy. One research group, uh, Wang et al., uh, tried to address this question by conducting a systematic review. They reviewed the 18 existing randomised controlled trials and pooled some 9,000-odd patients. They found no real statistical difference in terms of the efficacy of arunumab, premonizumab, or galcanizumab. They did find a slight increased incidence of treatment-emergent adverse events for galcanizumab with a relative risk of 1.1. These were predominantly injection site pain, upper respiratory tract infections, and other minor side effects. Practically for me, in the absence of any evidence of relative efficacy, it's the slight differences in administration that tends to factor into patient preference with eptinizumab being an intravenous option, galcanizumab and arunumab both having injection devices and freminizumab with the option of quarterly dosing. Your paper helpfully gives an overview of the potential roles of CGRP inhibition in other headache and pain disorders. I think this is maybe an area that we'll we'll get more information as, as studies progress, but perhaps you could give us a little more information on the role of CGRP inhibition in these other headache and pain disorders. CGRP has been implicated in the genesis of several headache disorders, and so excitingly there is scope for their use to be expanded and evaluated in other settings. The most advances of these causes is obviously cluster headache. It's been shown that CGRP is elevated ictally in spontaneous cluster attacks and that CGRP infusion may trigger an attack. To this end, galcanizumab has been shown to be effective in episodic cluster headache and reduces weekly headaches by 70%. Trigeminal neuralgia is another good example. Clinically, it's characterised by fast pain triggered by a noxious peripheral stimuli. Now, we know that CGRP levels are elevated in trigeminal neuralgia already and that CGRP receptors are expressed throughout trigeminal nociceptive pathways in A-delta fibres and the trigeminal ganglion. We also know that the A-delta fibres mediate pinprick perception and that high-threshold neurons respond to noxious mechanical stimuli such as that we see in trigeminal neuralgia. Preclinically, and freminizumab was shown to selectively inhibit these fibres. So taken together, the theory will be that CGRP inhibition may have a role in reducing the hyperexcitability of this pathway. And there's trials ongoing at the moment with rimegepant and arinumab to investigate this further. More broadly, there's evidence of CGRP elevation in some non-headache-related pain states. Um, so this may be a future role for investigation in these conditions. And finally, as we see these medications uh, becoming increasingly used, I think there's a growing interest in potential side effects, both in the short and long term, Um, particularly outside of the CNS. What do neurologists need to know about potential off-target side effects from these medications? In addition to its role in migraine, CGRP is expressed widely throughout the body and it's been shown to have another number of other biological effects. 
What we don't know is whether the inhibition of this single regulatory peptide would translate into a clinically significant off-target effect in quite disparate organ systems. The most significant off-target effects so far for clinicians are the ones that have manifested clinically. So CGRP has a role in both vasodilation and gastric motility and post-marketing. We've noted that there's a signal with hypertension and constipation respectively. There are a number of possible off-target effects of inhibition that are much more theoretical. They include effects on the immune system, a tendency to osteoporosis, effect on gastrointestinal mucosal integrity, or possibly longer-term cardiac outcomes. My personal approach is slightly cautious, and where a patient has a specific health condition that may make it a more material risk, we'll discuss it in this scenario. But really, the take-home message is simply to have an awareness of the possibility of off-target effects so that they're not dismissed out of hand when a patient develops a non-neurological disease post-inhibition. To this end, we recently published a case series actually of eight patients who, following CGRP inhibition, developed a new inflammatory complication really highlighting the need for further research in this area. I, mean, I think that's an important point. As we any new drug comes onto market, it's important to listen to our patients and uh, remain observant for potential side effects. And I think uh, what you outlined there would be very helpful to many of the listeners of this podcast. Well, I think that's an excellent summary of where we are at with the anti-CGRP therapy. So I want to thank Dr. Jason Ray for providing this overview and remind all of our listeners that the paper in full is available to freely download at the JNNP website now. For now, thanks and goodbye.